Hey everyone, Tyson here and happy Thanksgiving. Uh, today on the I-5 corridor, Aiden and I take one last look at what happened against Utah before previewing the Saturday Oregon and Oregon State game. It's a big one, Pac-12 North on the line. Uh, get excited. Uh, a couple housekeeping items before we get going. We're running a Black Friday sale through the weekend. So any of you free listeners who've been curious about the written product, it's now 20% off through Monday. You can go to i-5corridor.com slash Black Friday. Um, and that'll take you to the uh, the landing page. And also, the I-5 Corridor is also, is sponsored by Planet3Vitamins.com. I've been using Planet3Vitamins for about a couple months now, and it's made achieving daily nutrition goals as easy as opening up a single pouch every morning. Uh, University of Oregon graduate-founded company, and you can use promo code CORRIDOR10 for $10 off your first purchase at Planet3Vitamins.com. All right, let's go. You're listening to the I-5 Corridor, hosted by Tyson Alger and Aiden Schneider. Hey, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Tyson Alger here, joined by Aiden Schneider. It is the I-5 Corridor podcast. We got ourselves a heck of a football game coming up on Saturday. Could decide the Pac-12 North title and who ends up going to the Pac-12 championship game, Oregon, Oregon State. Um a lot to play for unless you spend too much tom- time online, apparently. <laughs> right, right, Aiden? I-, I think that's what we were talking about beforehand, of just inflated expectations and, and what to really expect of this Oregon team. And uh, it's a bit of a head-scratching kind of question coming out of that Utah game, right? Yeah, it's funny to see uh, a lot of the reactions online. Obviously, we know it was a really bad game. Offensively, it was bad. Defensively, it was bad final score was embarrassing um but i really think the reality is this oregon team has overachieved i think we talked about this early in the year if you had told probably anyone inside or outside the program that oregon would would be where they are heading into the final game of the regular season i think anybody would have taken it and and the expectations really just got ramped up because of that ohio state game and i don't necessarily want to use the word fluke but uh, it's, that's how it's starting to look a little bit, don't you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm beginning to think that Oregon was a pretty good matchup against C.J. Stroud because he has absolutely annihilated every single other team they've played. And it's, it's actually one of the more baffling things, the fact that he's a quarterback that the only time like any team's had success against him is when you've been able to pressure him. And, and Oregon was able to do that without Kayvon Thibodeau. The, no Thibodeau, no flow. Like The fact that they won that game on the road and then they've had the season that they've had since is truly one of the most confusing things that I think that I've covered in, in my time on the speed. But I think you're completely right. Like if you told everyone before the season started that they'd be two losses coming into the final week of the season, third straight trip to the Pac-12 title game on the line, I think you'd definitely take it. I, I think it's just because it's Oregon. And I think when Oregon starts getting good, there's a lot of people who it's just like jet fuel, like, like the ducks, the ducks carry a certain level pop level of fandom and popularity as it is. But when they start to get good, you do get a lot of kind of lat, uh, people who latch on to them because it's, it's one of the few things in the Northwest that kind of resonate at that national level. And so I, I do think that you got a lot of people like 
you know, the casual people that catch on, it's like, oh, shoot, we're number three, like, I'm in on this, like, like let's get going. And then it's, you know, it, it just kind of sets it up for failure. But um, I do think there's a difference between like overhyped expectations and, and getting beat 38 to seven or whatever the heck it was that like, that was just, again, another really confusing outcome from this season, but it's, it's set up a, a, a pretty darn exciting week this week. Yeah. And I think the, we've talked about this um, on the podcast throughout the year. It just, it never really felt like Oregon exactly earned their way into that playoff spot. It kind of felt like they just, they just kind of, they fell into it. Things kept going their way and they somehow kept winning. And how many times have we came on here to, to wrap up an Oregon game and just thought like they won again? Yeah. It, it doesn't feel like we should be here, but we are. I mean, you could point to, I mean, this is way too easy of an argument, but like you can point to your guys' 2014 team. And if somebody were to just flat out ask you, like, why is that team good? Well, you have a Heisman Trophy quarterback. Like they have this incredible offense. They do this, they do that. Like if Aiden, if I were to ask you, like, why is this 2021 Oregon Ducks team elite? Like you'd probably have to take a little bit before you decide like what you you pick there. Like it, it's it just doesn't feel like there's been kind of like that magic behind it that some of those like really, really good Oregon seasons in the past have had where they're up to that level. Yeah, it's it's not an obvious answer. And and I think when you compare this team to Oregon teams of the past, like you said, um, there aren't really units that jump out the way there have been in the past. Um, and, and also when you compare it to the, the other teams who are in playoff position right now, like you look at Alabama, you look at Ohio State, um, you know, even Cincinnati, who's in there, I think there's just, it's a lot clearer why they're there. You look at their schedule, you look at the results they've put up and they're blowing teams out and, you know, you don't have to blow teams out every week to get in there, but, uh, Oregon's left <laughs> a lot to be desired. And when I think about a playoff team playing a, an inferior conference opponent, like, a, like a Stanford, like a Cal, you know, I, I don't think Georgia's <laughs> right that happen, offensive coordinator out or not. Um, so I think the reality is we're just we're a couple years away. We're we're close to being on that level. The program's on the right trajectory, but I think we're just not quite where everyone thought we were yet. This is such a hypothetical, but it kind of plays off of what you were talking about, like in, in terms of like overhyped expectations and all of that. But do you think that Oregon Okay, and actually, I'm going to backtrack a little bit more because the reason I started thinking about this is because like the last week, you've seen some insane contracts given out. It was like 10 years, 90 million to Mel Tucker, whatever the heck James Franklin got at Penn State. Like guys are being locked up for like decades and, and incredible amounts of money going around. Um, so, so that means there's two less coaches on the market. There's a lot of there's several big time jobs to be filled. And this is about the fourth straight off season where you've heard Mario Cristobal's name at least swirling around that, you know, what, you know, I think Bruce Feldman had his top 20 candidates for <laughs> top 20 candidates. What a ridiculous, uh, but, but, you know, just, just kind of like, like biggest coaching names in the off season and Chris Paul was number two. I have no idea if Chris Paul's looking to leave. I think it's a really good time to be his agent, but like, as you're setting up, like if you were to look at Oregon's program and project it for the next 10 years, would you want, like a coach that builds something more like a Mike Bellotti 
where you're like maybe also between like eight to nine, maybe 10 wins in a really good year, but it's, it's more consistent. Or would you like to have kind of some of like the absolute peaks of like the chip chip to Mario to whatever, but then ha- kind of deal with that constant, like coach, coach new swirling around or, or maybe like a down season here or there. Like, like what, what's been better for the ducks essentially is like, were, were the two thousands better or has this last kind of like, 12 years been better in terms of just like overall fans and, and the type of kind of um, atmosphere it, it's asking to cult or it's trying to cultivate. I might be a little biased, but I I'd say the last 12 years. And I think, I think all these things, like we talked about Micah Pittman leaving, who was a big time recruit. And we're talking about Cristobal's name being thrown out for a bunch of jobs. I think that comes with the territory of, of building a national powerhouse program and, you know, it's a little unfortunate sometimes. It's frustrating to think about, but I think it comes with the territory and I think it's well worth it. And to just look back at Oregon's records. Um, so under Cristobal, they've gone nine and four, 12 and two, uh, four and three in the COVID season. That's a bit of a throwaway, but <laughs> sitting at nine and two right now with with a chance at redemption to to potentially finish 12 and two, and win a Rose Bowl. And I think that's important. That matters. I think a lot of people online just have this this very all or nothing attitude where it's playoff or bust when I don't think that's really the right way to think about it. And and I, I do think that despite this Utah loss, Utah's not 31 points better than Oregon. No. I I don't I don't believe that for a second. That, you know, that's that's the crazy thing is if they played again in the title game, I'd probably take Oregon in that. And that's not, not just being like Homer podcasty or whatever. But I, I just think that Oregon has that one lapse game a year where it just doesn't work. And and I, I do I do trust this coaching staff enough where they would be able to put that together, you know, three weeks later. Yeah. Yeah, I'd take Oregon, too. And and I think the way that um, the season has been viewed by a lot of people is there've been a lot of complaints about Anthony Brown and a lot of people saying like, Oh, if we just had a quarterback in place, like let's be real. Oregon's not just a good quarterback away. Like there've been injury issues. There've been issues on defense. The coaching staff talked a lot about at Utah, the inability to win on first and second down, giving Utah consistent third and shorts to work with. Like there's a lot of areas that need work and, and it's an impressive team. Don't get me wrong, but I think it's it's more of a, a holistic upgrade that's needed than just being like one piece away or one unit away. Well, I, I think what you're seeing is you're seeing a lot of really young, talented players kind of taking their lumps and learning as they go through it. You know, we we talk a lot about the talent Oregon's bringing in, but not a lot of people want to talk about the time that needs for the time needed for that talent to mature. And yeah, like even if you look at the offensive line, you can say they returned their entire offensive line from last season, but those were seven Mickey Mouse games in a year where you weren't even really allowed to practice <laughs> practice with each other. So, um, I, I yeah, I, I think overall, like no matter what really happens this week, and granted, this might be where your opinion differs. Uh, I think it's been a pretty successful season for Oregon because I can see the pieces that have been built for what they could jump off of next year because they're, they're going to be returning a lot of people next year. Uh, Alex Forsyth just announced he's coming back too. that offensive line, maybe outside of that Utah game, like the offensive line has been really good for like the last month. And, and I, and I think they're gelling well together and that's usually the, the starting blocks for, for what makes a good Oregon team under Cristobal. So um, 
yeah, it, it's just it's just been a weird year, and it's it's set up what is, you know, this is legitimately like the first Oregon Oregon State game that I've been excited to cover since like the first one that I did, because because when when I came on the beat, you guys were number two in the country. Like those games were usually, you know, you'd win by thirty or forty; they weren't even close. And um, this one, it's it's the first one with like conference. Basically, it's the biggest one they've had since like the 2009 uh, War of the Roses, which would sent sent Oregon to its first Rose Bowl since 1994. Or was it 94? Yeah, anyways, um, like this, this game has a lot on it. And I think it would be I, I think it's a really big opportunity for Cristobal and that staff to show like how well they can coach a group up, because I, I do think that no matter what this team's expectations were when it comes to the playoff, that was a tough loss. It was probably a draining one. And they've been asked all week about the playoff. And I'd really like to see how well they're able to regroup from that and play for something in, or play for a game that still really, really matters in the context of where Oregon's been throughout its program history. Yeah, and, uh, it's it's going to be a, a tough challenge, but I think it's great that Oregon State's been able to to build what they have this season. You know, I, I wasn't sold on them early in the year. They were starting to gain some momentum early, but they look like a legitimate team. And, you know, even even halfway through the season, I wasn't necessarily looking at the Civil War and thinking this is going to be a tough game. But it's just kind of two teams on a little bit of opposite trajectories within the season. Um, And I think this is a great teaching opportunity, um, teaching guys how to bounce back. You know, you're going to have tough losses that that Utah locker room after the game was, was probably pretty rough and they don't want that to happen again. And, and I think it's great that it is a challenging game. They get the next week, you know, it's not a cupcake Oregon state team. They're just going to roll over and and beat by three touchdowns. And I think this is a real opportunity to gain some momentum, you know, potentially going back and do another matchup with Utah in the conference championship. I was down in Corvallis today for Beavers media availability and, uh, it was like perfect weather for this too. Like just dense fog. Like you can barely see, you have to have your headlights on at like 11 AM when you're driving. It just felt, felt like a late November football game. And that team's really confident. And that's the first, you know, I don't cover the Beavers a lot, but I've dropped in just about once or twice every year um, for since like 2014. And um, they, they have something like, like just, just, I, you know, I, I don't think that they necessarily think they're world beaters or like that they're, you know that they should be ranked or anything but they just have like a little bit of like that confidence of we know we can play good football we have a coach that has been at that has believed in us from the start because if you go back to the podcast that we had jonathan smith on in, in august where he was talking about like why would we just shoot for bowl eligibility like if we think we're that good why would we just aim for six wins and and you've seen that because you know not only did they clinch that but they they they're, they've reached that with a little room to spare and and we uh we have ourselves what could be a really if Oregon State wins this game this week this week they're not going to take momentum away from Oregon but I think you could really sell the fact that we've beaten Oregon twice in two years in recruiting stuff and and I think this is a really big recruiting period for Oregon State coming up because it's the first de- December where you can actually go to recruits houses and be like hey like we're playing in a game this month like watch us like pay attention to us like we can get you into these games i i think that's going to just start building and it's it, it's it'll be fascinating to see where this rivalry goes next if oregon state's actually able to bring in players all right aiden you played in four of these games yourself um 
I'm sure there were some really great memories and I'm sure there were some memories of uh, actually just go into it. <laughs> well, I'd have to say the, the most memorable was after the, the game in 2016 where Oregon State had beaten us and the players and coaching staff started saying they knew that they had the game won when we started putting on raincoats on the sideline when the weather started to turn. Um, the next year we came back, played them at Autzen on senior night and we beat them 69 to 10. Nice. It was, it was amazing. And I actually set the school record for field goals made on the first drive. And I was anticipating a blowout because we were rolling at that point. We had Herbert back from his collarbone injury. Uh, and I was a little bit worried I wasn't going to get a field goal attempt. I knew I just needed one, and I ended up getting one on the first drive. And, and you, that was you, you, you have Herbert back and Taggart's coaching. Like, he's not going to want to give you, like, you know, just, like, throw you a bone. <laughs> no shot. I, I think there were a couple times uh, Taggart was asked about kicking field goals in the media, and he's like, I hope not. I hope nope. he doesn't get any actually, attempts. Actually, I'm pretty damn sure I wrote that story. It was just like, <laughs> like I'm not – I always hate when you ask that question because, yeah, I know that seven points is better than three points. Like, yeah, no shit. Like, <laughs> like, but yeah, everyone knows that. But there's a little bit of as as we've discussed. Like, you ever think that you might want to like give him an opportunity in case he needs to make one of these? And then, ah, I digress. Yeah, and then my first Civil War. Um, actually, I only played in three. So my my first one. I was actually out with mono. I got sick after we played at Utah, interestingly enough. Um, and I found out I had mono. I wasn't going to be able to play in the game. Like, I was like, so like bummed. The kissing disease, right? Yeah. That's, that's you, the one. You, Utah, you guys want? Anyways. <laughs> Nothing to do with Utah, I promise. <laughs> anyway, so, so you're sick. You missed it. Yeah, I was... I found out I wasn't going to be able to play. I was super, super bummed because at this point in my career, I thought there's a decent chance I don't play again after this year. Like I'm going to miss my one civil war, but there's a silver lining. I couldn't be around the football facility. Um, I just had to stay at home. So they let me go home for Thanksgiving, which I wouldn't have been oh, able to awesome. do otherwise. And so weirdest game day experience of my life i my parents were coming down to watch the game so i just i rode with them so we got to corvallis uh a few hours before game time and i didn't know where i was supposed to go and like all my teammates were busy warming up i couldn't text anyone so, so my parents actually actually pause one second so like in that situation where if you're not playing in a game or like you're sick or whatever like do what are you supposed to be doing I, at that point, me, nothing like no, no one really said anything. They were kind of just like, <laughs> see you you're later. Released. <laughs> you're released. You can go home for Thanksgiving. Yeah. And they said I could come back and be on the sidelines. So I was like, cool. All right. Okay, cool. And I just, I had my little yellow team backpack and my parents just dropped me off in front of Reeser in a crowd of Beaver fans. And I was walking around like trying to find the locker room. It took me like 15 minutes. No, no, like, 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 I'm on the team. Luck. I'm, on, I'm on the team. Yeah. Everyone's like, yeah, sure you are, buddy. Good yeah. luck. She pack you a lunch. Ah, oh, I, I ate before we left. I didn't yeah. need one. That's a good call. That's a, that's a real good call. Or is it 
should we start worrying about Oregon basketball? They they got beat by I think thirty again today. Yeah, I I think we're right on. Yeah, well, because we're right on the border. <laughs> yeah, because it's like one of those things where like okay, Altman's teams always get better, and like you you don't want to like make too many generalizations about like November college basketball, but like these are all wins or these are all games that are usually used in your favor at the end of the year when it's like you're building your tournament resume. So it's essentially it's just, it's setting up now where Oregon's going to have to be really good in the PAC 12. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't bet against Dana Altman, but good luck. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's fair to worry, but they, they don't have a ton of time to turn it around. And like you said, Altman's teams always end up peaking at the end of the season and, you know, maybe it'll hurt their tournament seating and they'll just be a little bit more of a Cinderella story, but uh, they can't afford to have too many more games like they've had over the last week. Would you guys do like uh, a lot of families do like the traditional Thanksgiving, like football game or like stuff like, like, like anything that you guys do? Uh, not my family, my uh, friends from high school and I, we're in a fantasy football league together. Usually, do a turkey bowl either day oh, of or the next day. Is it uh is, is it tough being a a former Oregon football player in a turkey bowl format like that, where the one thing you were good at at football doesn't really translate to on field exploits for you against your friend? Because I mean, like, how how often are you kicking in in a turkey bowl? Uh. We we try to I try to insert an opening <laughs> kickoff at, at least to and you start just half. you just boot it like three blocks down the road it gets hit by a car you know nobody <laughs> can play anymore perfect yeah but I I got some I got some tight end size too especially in my I, friend group so uh, I could that's I that's can, a good uh, point could translate yeah I can I can do a couple other things I, I was always hoping that when. Um, was it the Penn State kicker? Who was the real big kicker who was like throwing his body around for a couple kickoffs? This was when you uh, were playing. And then yeah. he got lit up one week, and that was about the end of it. Yeah, it was Joey Julius. Ah, that's just a, <laughs> that's a tough one, man, because it's fun to like stick your nose in there a little bit to to hit some people, but you can't be going after people like that and expect nothing to happen to you. It's, it's, it's kind of an unwritten rule. Yeah. Like once it starts getting memed, like I think, I think <laughs> I probably would have like faked a hammy or gotten mono or spent a night in Utah or whatever, but um, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> nothing wrong with that at all. All right. Well, Hey, Hey, thanks everyone. Uh, happy Thanksgiving. And, and thanks everyone so much for, uh, for listening here. These, I, I think we just hit about three months for, for this podcast and, and the website. And um, it, it's, it's been a really, really cool run here so far through the football season. And uh, hopefully we haven't scared everyone in a way uh, heading into the off season. Cause we'll have, we'll have some more basketball content and uh uh, what will hopefully be some more kind of like concept episodes and, and interviews, just get out of this football grind a little bit and not thankfully, I guess, but at least we're not going to be doing football until like mid January. Like we could have been, <laughs> could have been. So <laughs> yeah, Tyson, uh, I got, I got one more question for you. Oh yeah. Let's do it. What is this game called? Oh, do we man. have a name. There's, I was thinking about this today on my drive back. There's a substantial amount of, I don't know if pressure, but like we have an opportunity here because a name lasts like a hundred years. People will always be like, oh, how'd that name start? And like usually it's some like old crusty sports writer 
who like used it once in like the that tenth paragraph of something in like a, one of those big broadsheet newspapers. Um, so like it could happen in this podcast. Maybe it just comes to me when I'm writing my my game story on Saturday. You know, I can't really explain these things, but uh, if I'm gifted with that gift, I will share it with the world. I I was just gonna say that <laughs> that crusty sports writer could be you. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, hey, have a happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Have a happy Thanksgiving, Aiden. And uh, we will be back next week. You're listening to the I-5 Corridor, hosted by Tyson Alger and Aiden Schneider.